And a very pleasant good evening, everyone. Glad to have you along tonight on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell, and it is the All-Star break. Time for Major League Baseball to celebrate the best in the game over the first half of the season. And they'll be doing that tomorrow night, of course. Tonight is the Home Run Derby, and my cohort in crime and resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue, and I are going to go over tonight the first half for not only the Cincinnati Reds, but also the Cleveland Indians, and just how viable the home run derby is anymore. Good evening, Mark. Hi, David. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting this year that as we uh, reflect on the first half of the season that both of our teams are are legitimately still in this thing. Yeah, I would say that it's uh it's a pretty good thing that both both teams are still involved. I mean, the Reds are in the front for the wild card spot. Meanwhile, the uh, Cleveland Indians are just a game and a half back of the Detroit Tigers as we head into this All-Star break. 51-44 and 44 mark on the year for the Indians. 51 wins is the most they've had since the last time they won the division, which was in 2007. Not a bad record. No, it's not, and it's it's too bad that they're in the division with probably the best team in the American League in Detroit, and it, it, unless uh, one of the teams that are ahead of them now for the wild card race has uh, a breakdown, the Indians are going to have to come back and beat Detroit to win that division to get into the playoffs. Yeah, it should be a very interesting second <laughs> half. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the second half for the Cincinnati Reds. Also, well, we're going to have our Ask Us segment coming up a little bit later on in our show. You can send us in your questions, and there's been a bunch of them this week, to Ask Us or DMitch at UltimateSportsTalk.com, or you can send us a tweet at OHBBCoHost. Also, uh, does the name Greg Van Neal, Mark, ring any bells to you at all yet? No, it does not. Well, we're going to talk about Greg Van Neal and the highly publicized record that he set yesterday at Progressive oh, yes. Field coming up in the second half hour. We're going to talk about that. But, you know, I want to pause here just for a second, Mark, because I want to send out a shout-out to my niece, Alexis Mitchell, this weekend. She ended up being the second runner-up at the Nationals Pure American Beauty Pageant in Tennessee. This weekend, and if you saw this girl, she's beautiful. Mark, you'd never believe that she came from my side of the family, which includes my brother and I. <laughs> How old is she? She is 17 years old, and she finished second runner-up to a 19-year-old. And believe it or not, next year this pageant is going to be held in the Queen City in Cincinnati. Well, terrific. Well, congratulations to her. She was very proud. I'm very proud of her, and I wanted to send it out a shout-out for her. Okay, anyway, the Reds were 3-4 and four on the week, Mark. They're 53-42 and four, 42 overall. Let's talk about them to start off tonight's show. They're in third place. They're four games behind, the, or I should say five games behind the Cardinals in first place, and they're behind Pittsburgh in second. So tell us a little bit your state of the, uh, state of the season so far for the Cincinnati Reds? I think everybody who is associated or, you know, is pulling for the Reds uh, uses the excuse, and it's a valid excuse, that the Reds have been without their number four hitter all year. They have been out with, without their number one pitcher, except for he, he's four and two. He missed, uh, clearly, he's been on the DL three times in Johnny Cueto. They have missed their number one setup man in the bullpen in Sean Marshall. They have missed their number two setup man in the bullpen, Jonathan Broxton, and the, yet, and they have a third baseman hitting 237. They have a shortstop hitting 235. They have a catcher hitting 191, and somehow, this team is in third place and has a five-game lead over, uh, I think, the Washington Nationals for the second playoff berth in, in the wild card. Now, you, you can argue, and with some credibility that it can only get better in the second half for the Reds, on top of which uh, they have one of the easiest schedules in the second half of the year once they get through the first 12 or 15 games of the second half. Once they get through that, they have a very, very favorable schedule. 
And you, you have the right to expect, if you're a Reds fan, that they're going to play better in the second half. They can't hardly play any worse. And despite all the, the failures of the, of, the, of, the, of the players, what's carried them is their pitching staff. And while they've lost a lot of close games, that means they've been in the games because of their pitching. So I've been very frustrated uh, with, with Dusty Baker, a lot of the moves he's, he's pulled. But when you look at what he's had to play with, and, and, and Chris Heisey has been hurt, you know, their number one, uh, their backup left fielder. So you add up all those things, and I think if you're a Reds fan, you have to say, you know what, we're lucky we're not 10 games out of first place. Well, and as a Reds fan, you probably can look at it like that, but, you know, Reds fans are not going to look at it like that. I mean, let's let's call it and be blunt about it. They're looking at the situation that the, the Reds are not playing up to their potential. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I think you could make the statement that a number of players have not lived up to what uh, the back of their baseball card says. And I, and I point, number one, to, to Joey Votto. Now, you say, okay, John, Joey Votto is hitting 317. He's got 14 home runs or 15 home runs. Uh, he's driven in only 40 runs. I mean, those aren't bad numbers. But for a guy who just signed a $250 million contract, you're expecting Cabrera numbers from him, and you're not getting that from, from Joey Votto. Now, the, the, the reasonable part of me says, well, th- there's an explanation for that. If you're an opposing pitcher, who would you rather face? Joey Votto or Brandon Phillips? Brandon Phillips has a lot of RBIs, but he has them because Chu and Votto have been on almost every time they come up to the plate. One of them is on. So he's going to get a lot of RBIs. But, you know, if, if you had a legitimate number four hitter that would force the pitcher to pitch to Joey Votto, I think his numbers would be off the chart. So hopefully the Reds will do something in the offseason or the, even the second half of this year to get that number four hitter because despite him doing a, a very good job, Brandon Phillips is not a number four hitter. He ought to be hitting number one or number two. Well, Mark, you know, we talked about this a little bit last year and earlier this year, and, and I've always used Washington and the way they've handled Steven Strasburg, especially at the end of last year. Winning does not happen every year. I mean, and we can always go back to what the Reds did uh, three years ago when they won the division. Everyone thought they were just going to cakewalk through the next year, and they didn't. Now, last year they won the division, so they've won it two out of three years. But, Mark, you can't depend upon winning the division and being a playoff team year Mm -hmm. after year. You've got to give your team an opportunity to win. And is Jockety doing that? I'm not sure it's jockety, and and I was one of the more irate fans in 2011, after they won in 2010. They did not make one move in the offseason to improve that team. And what happened was you had a lot of injuries, uh, and they, they, they couldn't pull it off. And what I think the mistake, or I think the misjudgment of the Reds organization this year was that you are going to have a much greater offensive performance by three or four guys. Number one, Zach Cozart. Zach Cozart right now is completely overmatched in, in the big leagues. He's sitting 230, and he did get a, a couple hits over the weekend. In fact, I think he got, I think he was four for the 13 over the weekend. But in every tight situation that comes up, he's, com- he's completely overmatched by a quality pitcher. The other guy that, you know, you hate to say this, and I, I hope it's not, doesn't sound like hyperbole, but Todd Frazier, if he were to go to a tryout camp, he would not be picked. Not because he doesn't have a good glove. He does. He's a pretty good defensive player, and he's getting better. But his swing is one of the worst I've seen for a major league player. In, in a, I can't remember. The last player who had this many holes in his swing, and his average continues to plummet. He's down now to around 235. Uh, he's he's lost all power, and the Reds depended on him, uh, you know, for 25 to 30 home runs, 80, 90 RBIs. They depended on Cozart to hit 275, 15, 20 home runs, and then the catching tandem of Devin Masarocco and Ryan Hannigan. Hannigan's been hurt, and I'll tell you right now, 
right now, Mesoraco is is proven to be a failure. Uh, his batting average is down to around 230 again. But what really concerns me is his defense. He he's not throwing out anybody. In fact, he's not even close to throwing out anybody on the on the bases. And Ryan Hannigan is a great number two catcher. But if, if you're relying on him as your number one catcher, you got a problem. So those three positions, plus the fact you lose Ludwig, you lose Heisey, and the left field tandem has just been unproductive for the Reds this year. So you've got four positions there and four spots in the batting order that just have not produced hardly anything this year. And unless the Reds make a move between now and the end of July, they're going to finish third. Obviously, they're going to finish third. The question is, can they hold on and make it to that second wild card spot where they'll go to St. Louis and get beat in the first round of the playoffs? Well, I guess the question is, Mark, how good a job has Dusty Baker done then? Because you're talking about three and put the pitcher into the batting order, four spots in the batting order that really are almost automatic outs that you just simply went over right there, and yet the Reds have won 51 games, 53 games on the season so far. Yeah, and it all comes back to the starting pitching. Had the Reds had their normal offense on the field, if, if they hadn't had the in injuries, and, and every team has injuries. I'm not saying the Reds, you know, poor us, that you know they've been picked on because of injuries. But you, you've had a complete breakdown offensively in the team had they scored one run more a game or even a half a run more a game, this team would be close to 60 victories. They, they just have complete meltdowns offensively at times. And the thing I don't like about Dusty's M.O. is he always believes that they're right around the corner from a three-run home run. They could be 0 for 18, and they need a run. And rather than bunt or hit and run or move the runner over, he thinks, okay, this is the time they're going to come through with a big extra base hit. They don't, and they won't. Todd Frazier is right now one of the easiest outs in baseball, and you take away his first two weeks, and his numbers, he would be below, below 200 in his batting average. He, you know, he was hitting over 500 after the first two or three weeks of the season, and since then it's been completely downhill. Uh, so Dusty Baker, his, I think his failure is, He's one of the most stubborn guys I've ever seen managing a team when he keeps Zach Cozart hitting second into nearly 100 games into the season. He finally moved him down this weekend, and they put Derek Robinson in the number two spot. But how many times? This guy has hit into 14 double plays from the number two spot. Are you kidding me? I mean, talk about a rally killer. And then, of course, Votto doesn't have a chance, even though, uh, you know, Chu gets on. Uh, you have you have Kozar hitting second, and it, he's a rally killer. And I heard uh, on the weekend, I forget who the uh, WLW guy was, but he I thought he had a very good idea that you, you have Chu number one, you put Votto number two, you put Bruce number three, and you put, or uh, you put, uh, uh, the second Phillips. base, yeah, Phillips. You put Phillips number three, and you put Bruce number four. And you know, to me, you at one through four, that's that's pretty tough, man. I mean, that, that that'd be a tough group to face. And it, you got to do something. And Dusty is so damn stubborn. How can how can so many writers? Are they all stupid except Dusty? Every writer, every announcer, every blogger, every fan you talk to. They, they pull their hair out and say, Dusty, how can you hit Cozart number two? How can you continue to do some of these things trying to go for a four-run inning when you need a run? It, it makes no sense. And I know it's very frustrating to a lot of fans, including me. But it, it's overall, I mean, you can't argue with the fact that the team has won as many games as they have with a depleted roster. And the, the hope is it can only get better the second half. Well, Dusty's always been like that. No matter where he's managed, he, he's been that kind of manager, Mark, where he's sat back and waited for the three-run homer. He's done it before in Cincinnati. 
and and he's done it before in the other jobs that he's had. So I mean, to ask him to change now at what is he 65, and this is almost his 20th year of managing, it, it's just not going to happen. One of the most telling statements I ever heard from Dusty Baker was back when Ken Griffey Jr. was still with the Reds, and he was hitting fourth, and he was hitting 219. And it was July, and he's hitting 219. And he was still hitting fourth. And people would ask Dusty, and he'd get very angry about it. And he said, he deserves respect. Talking about Griffey, he deserves respect. Well, baseball is a performance industry. Either you perform or you don't play. As soon as he was traded to the Chicago White Sox, Griffey hit seventh. Because that's where a 219 hitter ought to hit, is seventh. So how many games did the Reds give up by having Griffey at that time hit number four? Who knows? But that kind of stuff infuriates a lot of people. And I'll tell you what, you know, it's it's to the point this year, I, I notice, I don't know if anybody else out there agrees with me, but I notice a perceptible difference in Dusty this year. And I'm, I'm not so sure it's not physically related. I mean, the guy had a stroke less than a year ago. And, you know, he, here he is back managing a Major League Baseball team. And if people are wondering why he's not jumping up and down and slamming his fist and all that stuff, hey, the guy had a stroke. And I, I'm sure uh, his doctor said, hey, Dusty, uh, don't be jumping up and down yelling at umpires. So th the question will be, if the Reds don't perform this year, they don't make the playoffs, is he the guy to lead this team to the next level? Because they will have failed to take the next level after they won in 2010 for the third consecutive year. Well, I went through the same type of frustration over the last couple of years, Mark. If you recall, that was one of the things that I was always upset with Manny Acta about was the fact that he would not step up for his players, would not back them up on the field, and it turned out to be his uh, demise in Cleveland. That just simply was the fact because he lost control, complete control of the locker room just simply for that reason. Do you think there's a possibility that that could happen to Dusty in Cincinnati? It may be, but at the end of the day, had Manny Acta won 95 games and they made the playoffs, nobody would say anything. It, it comes down to winning. <clears throat> and the Reds this year have a team that was designed to win. Now, again, you can make the argument of all the injuries and all that stuff, but every team has had a lot. Look at the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals lost uh, their, their, their holiday, their, not holiday, their carpenter, their number one pitcher, and they've had a number of closers come in and out, and they've pulled it all together, and they have a five-game lead. And they gave up pool holes two years ago. So that's not like the Reds losing Vado and coming back and winning in the next two years. At, at a certain point, the excuses don't matter. Either you win or you don't. And the Reds have a – there's a window of opportunity for a team to win. As you well know, teams go through ebbs and flows. Look at the Indians. Yeah. From back, you know, you have your window. And you've mentioned it the last two or three weeks about Washington. They had a chance to win the World Series last year. And, and it's likely this year they're not even going to make the playoffs because they decided to put their number one pitcher down when they could have worked around that issue, I think, and, and maybe given him August off and let him come back in September and still have the same number of innings. Anyway, the, the point is, excuses run out after a while. And Jockety, uh, and I want to talk about his, his record in a few minutes, but uh, th that team is, is designed to win this year. And if Jockety doesn't go out and get the right players, you can't blame Dusty. But th this team it, it could fall apart very quickly because they have miscalculated the talent level of a number of players on that team. And the shortstop, wow. the third baseman, the catcher, the left fielders, the backup left fielders, none of whom have produced this year. And that was my point earlier, that... You know, Washington miscalculated what they did with Strasburg. The Reds have the opportunity to win this year, regardless of how bad they're playing right now. They're five games up for that last playoff spot. We've seen teams 
in that wild card position, go on and win a World Series. This team is built to win now, as you just said. And it's time for the front office of Cincinnati to take the bull by the horns and say, okay, we're going to bring somebody into this ball club. I don't think they need pitching like you've said, Mark. I think they need a hitter. I think they need a cleanup hitter. And I think they need to go out and find one and get one. Well, I think they need a third baseman, too. And, and they, if they can make a deal for a third baseman, uh, I like to see them get uh, Polanco from Philadelphia to play third base, and I think he'd be available. He, he would help that team a lot. He's a solid 280, 290 hitter. He's a good defensive third baseman, but they need something in that team. And if 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 you believe that Ludwig can come back, okay, put him in left field and see what he can do. But David, this guy has not picked up a bat. Literally, has not picked up a bat since opening day. That's when he got hurt. He's got to go through the rest of his rehab. He's going to have to go down to, Indi- to Indianapolis or even Double A and play for two or three weeks to get his stroke back, and then you have to come back and perform at the major league level in September or late August. I mean, are, are you? It just doesn't make any sense at all that he's going to be the the answer to the problems, and it's sure not going to be Frazier. So the, the the Reds have to make some some tough decisions, and the problem is the cupboard in the minor leagues is empty. I was looking at the rosters in the minor leagues this year, yes, uh, this morning, for 2013. They they don't have anybody down there that's any good. <laughs> maybe in the down in Dayton or in Bakersfield, maybe they have some guys, but certainly not anything that is is ready for the major leagues. And and I don't know who they trade. Well, you know, we've discussed this before. I think if they can find any takers for Hamilton, they get rid of him. I don't think he's ever going to be the type of ball player. You know, to to me, Mark, and and we've discussed this, I think he's Otis Nixon. And Otis Nixon was, was a very fast ball player that was a punch-and-judy hitter. When he got on, he was a base-stealing threat. But that was when he got on. And I think Billy Hamilton is cut from the same mold. Yeah, I saw Hamilton play in Dayton, and he was – he was remarkably skinny for a professional athlete. He has no power at all. And I'm not saying he can't, you know, bulk up and, and, and get some power, get some at least gap powers for doubles and triples, but then you take away his major asset, which is his speed. If I, again, if I ever inherit Jockety's job, I think the only place you put him is second base. He doesn't have, he, he had a good arm, but he made a lot of errors at shortstop. He's not a guy you want in a power position like at center field, where you expect a guy to hit 15 to 25 home runs, play good defense. That's not him. So you move him to second base, you put Brandon Phillips over at third. Brandon Phillips is 32 years old. He's not going to get any better at second base. He's, he's a great second baseman. But even he is losing his agility down there. He's a big guy. I mean, he, he's, he's a very strong, big, muscular guy. He's playing second base. And he's not going to have that mobility in two or three years. So why not bring up uh, the, the second baseman that I, I was mentioning and, and put him at second base and then put Phillips at third. You've solved your third base problem. And then you have the speed at, sec- at second base where he can hit 230 and nobody cares. Well, you talk about Brandon Phillips being a big guy. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. <laughs> You know, Brandon Phillips boxed out the home plate umpire from the pitcher's mound. If Dwight Howard could box out like Brandon Phillips did uh, that umpire on the mound, Mark, he would really be deserving of that $88 million contract. But, I mean, Phillips really did a great job, and Singrani was the, the starting pitcher yesterday. He had to be livid at some of the calls that that home plate umpire was making on balls and strikes. Yeah, that guy was squeezing him, and I think it's it's BS that these guys, these umpires, do that to young pitchers. Uh, he, he was squeezed, obviously. Everybody in the ballpark knew it. And I was telling you earlier before we went on the air that I like that from Singrani. He gets ticked off. He gets mad. He shows his emotions. He goes out there, and you know he has this killer look on his face, and he's throwing 95 miles an hour. Uh, I think he is going to be a, a stud for the Reds, and he will be the reason. If, if the Reds go out and do something 
let's say they, they sign a Giancarlo Stanton, which I don't think they will, but if they did, or somebody of that ilk who could really bring something to the lineup, it's because the Reds believe they can replace Arroyo and his contract with Singrani. That Singrani can step in and be Bronson Arroyo, win you 12 to 15 games, pitch 250 innings a year or 225 innings a year, and that would free up the money from Arroyo's contract to go out there and get somebody who can who can swing the bat. And the, the Reds have a real find in Singrani, and I, I like his makeup physically and, and emotionally. I heard a couple of announcers say, oh, he, he gets mad all the time. Good. I wish somebody would walk into the dugout after they strike out and smash a bat because they are so ticked off. And I, I think that's the kind of emotion that this team does not have. They have not shown it all year. I'm so sick to death of seeing Jay Bruce and Cozart strike out and walk back to the dugout like nothing is wrong. And it, 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 they don't have that fire that they had a couple of years ago. And, and I don't know why they don't have it. Maybe it's because they all signed long-term contracts. I don't know. But this team needs something, and it, it may come from a guy like Sindrani. Who knows? Well, I could say that that's exactly the frustration that I felt last year with the Indians that I don't see this year in the Indians. The last two years, this team was, as you said, Mark, was walking back to the dugout. They had no smiles on their faces. They didn't care what they did. They were just going through the motions. This year's team, and it shows in the record at 51-44, and 44, is playing with emotion. They've got a smile on their face. They're actually going out there and having fun. They're getting along with each other. Even when they get hit with some adversity, Mark, even when that happens, the Chris Perez incident, you've got Brett Myers, who hasn't pitched since the third week in April. You've got injuries galore to this team. They've managed to be able to fight through those. They've fought through losing streaks. They've fought through poor streaks. They've had winning streaks. They've won four in a row right now. They're in a division which many people think is a down division with maybe the best team in baseball. And they're only a game and a half behind Detroit right now. There's a lot to be happy with in Cleveland. And after two years of going just off the deep end on this team, I'm just thrilled to death to have a team that come September we may be in a pennant race and actually have something to go to the stadium for. <laughs> well, it, it, it is nice that both of us have an opportunity to root into the second half of the season with legitimate chances to win. I mean, our teams, uh, I don't think they've played their best ball yet. I know the Reds have not. And they, they have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. And, you know, if you know that come September – Every game is exciting. You can't wait to turn on the TV or the radio. That's about all you can ask for a fan on a consistent basis is, you know, you're, you're in it. And you, you can win seven games in a row and, and you're going to make the playoffs. That's, that's exciting. And what I think our respective organizations have done, they have reached the point now where they've stabilized a, a situation in both cities where these teams lost for a long time and they had no chance to win. I mean, if you were a fan, you always wished in the offseason, oh, this will be the year. But realistically, when you look back at their rosters over the last 10 years, particularly the Reds, the Reds had no chance to win. Uh, and they didn't have the pitching. They didn't have the defense. They had a country club atmosphere. And ironically, the guy that I, one of my favorite players, Ken Griffey Jr., I think was the cause of it. All the money went to him. He, he stopped performing. It became a country club and you, you throw in Adam Dunn and guys who were striking out every other at bat, uh, that team had no chance to win. So both teams now have chances to win, and this is why you pay the general managers the big bucks. What are you going to do between now and the end of the year? The Indians need another bat, and I think the Indians need another arm. I think the Reds just need a bat. So it'll be interesting to see if these general managers step up and and do something to, to – maximize the opportunities for these teams to win. Okay, let's look at the wild card race in the American League. Right now, Tampa Bay and Texas are the two wild card teams. Tampa Bay is a half a game in front of Texas. Baltimore is in third place. They're a game and a half behind Texas. And then comes Cleveland 
and the New York Yankees, both 51 and 44, three games behind Texas. I honestly do not believe, Mark, that Tampa Bay is going to stay in the running for this wild card. I think Texas will. I think Baltimore is playing some great baseball right now, and so are the Indians. And the Yankees have fallen off, and I don't think A-Rod coming back is going to help them. So when I look at this race, I actually think, you tell me if I'm wrong, I think 90 wins will get you into the playoffs, either as the divisional winner or the wild card team. And if that's, do you think that's the case? Do you think I'm right? Uh, yeah, I think it, it could be 88 or 89 games because don't forget, in this, the last month of the season, they play a lot of interdivision games. So they're going to beat each other. So I think you might be able to sneak in with less than that. Uh, so, yeah, in the American League, outside of Detroit, on paper, Detroit ought to be running away with this thing. They're not, but, you know, you have to give them the nod as by far the, the favorite team. But I, I think 88 to 89 games, so I think 90 will is a shoe-in. You'll, you'll get in with 90 for sure. And it could be less than that because they're, they're going to be playing each other. Well, we're going to talk more about what's going on in the trades, and we're going to do that in our Ask Us segment. Plus, we're going to answer the question, who's Greg Van Neal, and why did he break a record at Progressive Field yesterday? We're going to do all that right after this timeout. In Cincinnati last night, Dylan Michael made his highly anticipated debut in front of a full house and did not disappoint. Michael went 3 of 5 with a single and two doubles while driving in three as Cincinnati defeated New York 6-3. to three. Michael, Cincinnati's number one pick in this year's amateur draft, virtually forced the team to promote him after pounding minor league pitching since his signing. Last at bat, a novel by Mark Donahue, available at Joseph A. Beth, Barnes & Noble, and Books and & Company. And you can also order Mark's book, Last at Bat, right here at UltimateSportsTalk.com. Well... A one-in-a-trillion shot, Mark, and Greg Van Neal performed the feat yesterday at Progressive Field. This guy sitting in Section 160, which his seats, he's a season ticket holder. He's about 30 rows up from the field, right behind the third-base dugout, the Indians' home dugout. And yesterday he managed to get four foul balls. One-in-a-trillion shot. Can you believe that? I don't think I got four balls hit to me when I was playing third base, and much less in the stands. And I'm I sure your team that. was thankful for that, right? That's right. Thank God they didn't, didn't hit the down <laughs> of you. But I, I saw the replay of that thing, and it was so cool. The fourth one, he just threw it back to somebody else. And, ah, easy. <laughs> but yeah. it, it was amazing. And they said it was a one in trillion, one in, it's with a T, chance statistically to do that. And, uh, that makes you want to go out and play the lottery a lot more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Greg Van Neal's the guy's name, and uh, he better be picking his lotto numbers this week. That's all I could say. Hey, there's a lot of trade rumors going on. We're going to get to those in, in just a little bit in our Ask Us segment. We're glad that you're with us tonight. I'm Dave Mitchell. He's Mark Donahue here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. But we've got a lot of things that we want to go over here as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, considering it is the All-Star break. And tonight, Mark, it's the Home Run Derby. And I've got to be honest, I have not flipped my TV to ESPN tonight to watch the Home Run Derby. I really don't care. How do you feel? Oh, it, it was. I didn't care 10 years ago. You know, for the first three or four years, it was kind of fun. But what they ought to do, rather than guys going up there and swinging as hard as they can, is have a skills competition. Have have the guys, you know, throw from third to first and throw through a, uh, a one foot by one foot hole and see who can do that the most often. At least in basketball, they have different skills that they they have at the All Star game. This is boring and it's stupid and uh, it, it it hurts guys. I mean, you have you swing as hard as you can for. 40 or 50 swings, don't tell me it doesn't have an impact on you. It does. So I think baseball is really not being very creative, and, and they can do a lot better than this. This is this is boring and kind of embarrassing. Has there been anything baseball has done under the tutelage of Bud Selig that has been creative? 
No, Bud Sealing is a guy near 80 years old, and his idea of baseball is from 1955. And I, I think there's some good things from 1955, but he, he, he is not a creative guy. And hopefully with some fresh blood in there, they can do something that will be appealing to the fans. This certainly is not. It, it's, it, it, was, it was old hat literally 10 years ago. It, it got very boring. Uh, you know, watching Sammy Sosa and others go out there and hit a ball 550 feet, who cares? Uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make for a lot of uh, for three hours of fun entertainment. Okay, Max Scherzer is starting for the American League tomorrow night. Matt Harvey is starting for the National League tomorrow night. Did Bruce Bochy and Jim Leland, Mark, in your opinion, make the right picks to start the All Star game? Oh, I think they made the right picks. Uh, if I was Jim Leland. Uh, I'm not sure I'd start <clears throat> have Scherzer out there after three days rest after the guy goes 13 and one the first half of the season. Why would you take him off his rotation? I think he, I think he pitched Saturday, did he not? Yeah. So he's going to go out there, and then he's not going to be ready to pitch again for another three or four days after the season starts in the second half. So uh, I, I wouldn't like that, but you know I, I think if I was Bud Selig. I would say that you expand the rosters to 30 and you have 15 pitchers and you have, a, you have a rule that a pitcher can't pitch more than one inning. And that way you get away from injuring a player or putting too much stress on them, tiring them out. They can go out there and throw one inning. But I, I would have more pitchers and in terms of the, uh, of the rosters, uh, these guys, the problem with the All-Star game is a guy like Joey Votto. He There's just one problem? Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> these guys get no rest. And, you know, the, the All-Star break is, is an honor. But what would be wrong if you didn't do anything tonight? And you played the game, and you didn't do anything Wednesday or Thursday. What's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. It's all I, about I the agree problem. with that totally. It's all about the TV revenues, and it's... A lot of the players I've talked to, guys who have made the All-Star team, you know, they said they like to go there and meet the other guys and hang out with them and all that stuff, but they're tired. <laughs> and now Votto is going to have four days of not being off as opposed to, you know, four days of being off. And I'm not sure it's worth the, the trade-off. Well, I know one thing. I haven't watched the Home Run Derby in, in a few years, I know Chris Berman, the only thing he ever does for ESPN is when they have something that a lot of people are going to watch, and they think that he's a, a great announcer and he's going to come on there. But I would bet the over-under tonight, I have no idea, but I bet Vegas has got this on the board. There's an over-under tonight on how many times Chris Berman is going to say, back, 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 back. Uh, he, and it's, a... it's got to be 20, 25 times tonight, and, and I just can't put myself through that. Yeah, he, he his his value ran out in about 1988, uh, Chris Berman, and he, he's a he's doing this thing because they don't have him doing anything else. He's probably on a contract, so they have to make him work a little bit. Uh, it, it's just like we said before, at least in my opinion, this is an embarrassment to baseball. It's not something to be proud of, and they they got to come up with something better than this. Well, let's move into our Ask Us segment. This is where you, the fans, ask Mark and I questions about anything you want to. And tonight, mainly, it's about the trade deadline, Mark, and uh, the All-Star game. You can write us at Ask Us or DMitch at UltimateSportsTalk.com, or you can tweet us at OHBB co-host. Engine 43 is sending us in this question, Mark. He is asking us, Francisco Lindor was sent to Akron after hitting 306 at Single A Carolina. He'll make his first start. And I'm, I'm adding this. He'll make his first start in Akron actually tonight. But Lindor is the big prospect for the Cleveland Indians. Do you think they are sending Lindor to Akron in order to showcase him for a possible trade? Mark, I think he's the only guy in the Indians' uh, farm system along with maybe Danny Salazar now, who are untouchables. I think even Trevor Bauer is 
open for trades right now. I think they're fed up with Carrasco. I think they're fed up with Trevor Bauer. And, and I, I mean, that's only after the first half of the season. I think Lindor is a player that they would have to really be knocked off their socks with, with a trade offer. And, and I don't think they're going to trade him for somebody that is only going to be there for a year or two. I think it's going to have to be somebody that's going to be there for three or four years before they would ever get rid of him. And I think Salazar is the same way. Man, this kid Mark came in on Thursday, and he pitched a great game. This kid's coming off Tommy John surgery from two years ago, and he hit 98 miles an hour five times on the radar gun in his start on Thursday. And he's only six feet, 180 pounds. He is not very big. This kid's got a whale of an arm. Well, let me just respond to that by by saying two words. Trevor Bauer. I'll bet if you bring him up, he'll hit the gun at 97, 98. And my point is... And his... Yeah. My point is, if if Lindor is as good as everybody says he is, and you're not the only one, you as a general manager, you look at that that Indians roster, and, and if I was the Indian, if I were the Indians, what I would want is a number two, number three starter to take me down the 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 rest of the season. If somebody comes up to you and says, "Here's your number two starter," I don't know who it is, but it's legitimate. And he, you know, he has three years left on his contract, and it's eight million a year, nine million a year. Would you make that deal? Well, I'd really have to think long and hard. It would depend on who it is, I, because I don't think the Indians' pitching is the problem. Now, do I want to go into a series? If I if I was going into a series right now with the Indians' pitching, the way I would set up the rotation, it would be Masterson, Kluber. McAllister's coming back. He would be my number three starter, and Casimir. Ubaldo wouldn't even be in the discussion. Um, and that would be my four starters. Now, a lot of people seem to be uneasy with that. But, Mark, I'm going to go back to the 90s again. When the Indians, the, the main complaint about the Indians back then was they didn't have a number one starter. You know, the number one starter only goes once. He can only go one day at a time. If you've got three guys that are equal to the number one starter, that means you've got an equal opportunity to win for three straight games rather than your number one starter getting blown out and you've got to hope to high heaven you're going to win the next two games. Yeah, and but that's hey, the way I would rather build a baseball team. But the problem is, you look at the Indians, arguably the best team in baseball for how many years? I mean, look at that roster they had in the, in the, in the mid-90s. They never won. They never won the World Series. And the reason they didn't is they didn't have that number one starter. And in a seven-game series, he is not going to get just one start. He's going to get three starts. And if this team is serious about winning, and I, I threw out a, a, you know, a hypothetical to you, but if you have a guy like a Lindor or a Salazar, and you're the general manager, and somebody calls you up and says, look, we're, we're out of it and we have a number one or number two or number three starter here, they're going to take you over the, uh, you know, to the promised land, or at least give you a chance. That, that four-man rotation you just mentioned, I don't think that has a chance to win the division, much less the World Series. See, I disagree with that. I think that rotation has been pretty good this year. It's been and, pretty good. I don't think pitching has been their problem. But, David, you're, you're in third place, or, or second place. No, we're in second. I said, you're in second place, and you have a rotation that is armed by your number three starter, is, hasn't pitched, Casimir has not pitched effectively for a long time. He's doing well now, but how long is he going to hold up? You have a guy coming off the DL that you, that you mentioned. And McAllister. McAllister. That rotation is not nearly as good as a res rotation. Not nearly as good. Well, it's not as good as Detroit's rotation either. No, I'll give you that. And, but my point is, if you want to win, you're going to do it with pitching. And I'm again, this is what I'm trying to point out is that winning, you know, picking your spots, picking your time to win, is probably the most important job a GM has to make. And in my opinion, the Indians do need another bat, and they, I think they need a number four hitter. I've said that all year. I don't think Swisher is your guy. 
and you need another top starter. Now, you don't need another number five starter because you've got five, you got three or four number five starters in my opinion, but <laughs> that, that team is not going to catch Detroit, and even if they make the playoffs, they're not going to go anywhere because they can't possibly match up to the starting rotations of the other teams in the American League. So you as a general manager have to make a, a decision. Okay, I get, I'm just going to throw this name out and just by illustration. Let's say uh, the Reds are out of it. Jockety calls you up and says, hey, David, I know you're the new general manager, and I got Johnny Cueto. He's healthy, he's pitched great, and I love that uh, Lindor guy. No. Let's make a deal. No, you wouldn't take okay. I, I don't do it because Johnny because Johnny Cueto scares me. Johnny okay. Cueto can't get through a start. Okay, okay, make it Matt Latos. Then we might have something to talk about because then I'd want to know how long they've got Latos locked up for because Latos is only twenty three, twenty four years old. We're we're looking at a guy that could be the the stud of my rotation for the next five or six years. Then I would then I would really have to give some serious thought to it. Yeah, I would. Okay, so it's not. I think the point is then there is a price that could be paid for Lindor or Salazar, and the question is number one: is that player you're going to get is going to help you win now, and is going to help you win in the future? I think the 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 philosophies of these respective general managers is very interesting. A lot of them, they hoard their minor league talent, sometimes to a fault, because they don't like Billy Hamilton last year. I told you, I told you this for two years. The Reds should have traded Billy Hamilton last year. They could have gotten, yeah. you know, a lot for Billy Hamilton. He has now played himself into a role of mediocrity, where he'll get a shot in the big league sooner or later. But he's 23 years old, and he's no longer, you know, a kid. He's been around for a while, and he's hitting 242 at AAA. That, that pencils out to about 200 to 210 in the, in the National League. So you, you've got, as general manager, you've got to pick your spots. You've got to pick your timing. Uh, you've got to look at that budget. And you wouldn't take Plato, but you'd take Latos. I think that's a reasonable response to that. But it's not as easy as fans think to make these deals because you can impact an organization for years to come by making the wrong one. Yeah, I I agree with that. Let's continue on with our Ask Us segment. We've got another one here from PR1414. Writes in and asks us, the doubleheader that the Reds are playing against the Giants next week on July 23rd in San Francisco is a makeup of a game in... Cincinnati that was rained out on July 4th. He wants to know why they are playing a Reds home game in San Francisco. Because they could not reschedule it any time other than that. That made the most sense. Both teams agreed to it, including the Reds. Uh, they didn't want to have this thing come up where they had to play it the last day of the season, maybe a day before the playoffs, it's particularly if the Giants were in it. And they had no other time to make it up. So ironically, what's going to happen is that first game, the Reds will be the home team in San Francisco. Not that that makes a big difference. It's, you know, for stylish reasons only. But the Reds will be the home team in San Francisco, and they make up the game, and then it, it's done. And, and frankly, I, I think that's the way to do it. I think that was the best call by Major League Baseball and the Reds. The Reds, the Reds could have vetoed that, uh, but they, 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 they looked at the, uh, the long-term effect on the team and not having an off day uh, later on. And they, they use that theory that you hold to, David, that you know more double headers would produce more off days and you, you wouldn't have this ridiculous scheduling that the baseball has right now. Yeah, that, that's a big problem. Matt123 sends in a question. He's talking about uh, Tim Lincecum just pitched a no-hitter. And he's also being reported to be sent to Detroit. He wants to know if the Indians or the Reds are in the market for Lincecum. I know for a fact the Indians are not in the market for Tim Lincecum. What about the Reds? I, I don't think I don't know where you put him in the you know in the rotation right now. Uh, the Reds' number five starter is Mike Leake, and he's the best pitcher they've got <laughs> right now. So 
Uh, yeah, Linscombe's contract is going to be a major deterrent for anybody wanting to pick him up on the cheap. And he did pitch a no-hitter this past weekend. Uh, I think he's, he's healthy, but he's had two horrible years in a row, and he's got a huge, huge contract. And that guy's, you know, his, his size has always scared me. That apparently, not apparently, but I think eventually he's going to wear down physically. He can't throw that hard uh, and be that size, you know, for for years and years and years. I don't think. Now, if he changes his rotation, becomes a uh, a, a Greg Maddox type guy, uh, that's that's a different story. But I don't think the Reds have any interest in him, and I doubt the Indians will. You know, I saw that report also by John Paul Morosi of Fox Sports that Detroit was interested in him. And, you know, Mark, it was very interesting because when I was reading that article, it suddenly dawned on me. If you remember last year's World Series, he was extremely effective coming out of the bullpen. And I'm wondering if Detroit is going to bring him in as a closer, if that's who they go after. Well, that's an expensive closer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But But right now, Illich doesn't care. I know. I'm just going to say that. You're talking about a team now. People under estimate Detroit's pocketbook. I mean, they can they can spend with the Angels and the Dodgers, anybody they want. Uh, you know, they made the World Series again last year. They, they've been sold out for God knows how long. Uh, I understand they're sold out for a lot of games to come. So they've got the money, and if they can win now, I think that's the mentality they're going to take. Well, one other question. Penny Card here writes in, matter of fact, just tweeted in to us, she wants to know what are the trade rumors between the Reds and the Indians. Do either team have anything going on? I could say right now that there are two trade rumors that the Indians are involved in, Mark. One is for Matt Garza. I don't think Matt Garza is a guy that they're going to be able to get. I think Texas or Boston is probably going to pick him up. And Giovanni Gallardo from Milwaukee, who's 7-8 and eight with a 4.80 ERA, you know, I told you before we went on the air, he's only gone past six innings pitched twice in his last ten starts. I'm not interested in a guy like that either. Um, I, I don't think he offers too much. You've probably seen Gallardo more than I have. What do you think of him? Well, he's had a terrible year this year, but um, not terrible, but he's not been nearly as effective as he was. A couple of years ago, this guy was he was nails. I mean, he, he, he was really tough. And I don't know what's happened to him, uh, but you talk about a franchise that is ready to implode. Uh, Milwaukee, if they start trading off their number two and number three starters uh, for, for youth, and they're, they're going to lose Ryan Baran, I think, next year for 100 games. Uh, they, they lost Prince Fielder. I mean, this team uh, doesn't have a lot on the shelf right now. So they could become the new Houston Astros in the Central Division. And the... the what they, where they were two or three years ago to where they are now is probably one of the biggest uh, departures of, of talent in, in Major League Baseball. What about the Reds? Do they have anything going on, Mark? Well, I checked about an hour ago, uh, you know, the Trade Central, and the Reds did make a trade today. They traded Armando Galarraga of the almost perfect game that they had signed to a, to a minor league deal this year. They traded him to Colorado for a name I never heard of. So that's the only deal I heard. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is a name, and I, you, know, you and I talked about this before we went on the air. I did find today where, where that was. It was on a, a Reds blog. If you just blog it in, um, one of the Reds writers uh, had a rather lengthy article about that or, or lengthy comments about Stanton, what it would take. You know, it would include, he said, Billy Hamilton, and Tony Singrani. That's what he said. Now, if you're the Reds' GM, uh, boy, do you trade Singrani, who could win you 15 games next year and for a lot of years to come? He's left-handed. He throws hard. But you pick up Giancarlo Stanton and imagine a lineup with Stanton in it, the Reds. I mean, that's a frightful lineup. But those are the kind of tough decisions you have to make as a GM and, you know, I think a lot of it depends, and this may sound ridiculous, but on the age of the GM. I mean, 
I think um, Jockety has to be in his late 60s, certainly mid-60s. And how many more years does he have? Does, does he really care that the cupboard's bare uh, in 2017 if he has a chance to win now? Who knows? But the, the Revs, unless they find the talent on their major league roster, they don't have anybody in the minor leagues other than Billy Hamilton uh, and his 150 steals that is going to interest just about anybody. Well, that's going to do it for our Ask Us segment. Uh, you can send in your questions for next week to Ask Us or DMitch at ultimatesportstalk.com, or you can tweet them out to us at OHBBCoHost. Mark, um, Pittsburgh, they've been in this position now for two years, and for two years they've had a collapse in the second half. What do you expect from Pittsburgh in the second half? I don't think they're going to collapse. I, I think they're too strong. They, they've got too much starting pitching. I mean, they have the number one ERA for a pitching staff in baseball. That's not going to change overnight. Now, what what would scare me is if Pittsburgh goes out and gets another bat because they need one too. And if they were to get a, a, a Giancarlo Stanton or somebody of that ilk, uh, that team would have a chance to win the World Series. They're, they're, they're that good. Now, the, the team that has continued to surprise me, and maybe they shouldn't, is St. Louis. I mean, they, they continue to hit with men on. They continue to get big hits with two outs. They get great starting pitching. And even if they don't, they'll score a bunch of runs like they did last night. Uh, they got Molina behind the plate, who is, is unconscious right now. And they, they're doing it with names that, at the beginning of the year, you could not even name their starting lineup. So that organization continues to amaze me. And I think on paper, I think the Reds and the Pirates both on a 25-man roster basis have better teams. And yet St. Louis is in first place. Mark, we've got a couple minutes left to go. I'm going to give you a strikeout quick answer routine here. Okay, three questions. Just give me a quick answer as to what you think. All right? Go ahead. First of all, question one. You're the commissioner of baseball. What's the one thing you do? To improve the game. Do away with a DH. Okay. I agree with that, except for you might have you might run into one problem, and that is, and I heard that today, and it makes a lot of sense, a lot of these minor league teams anymore, they just go with the DH, and these pitchers haven't even picked up a bat in years. They'll learn. They all hit in high school <laughs> and college, and most of them play something other than pitcher. Okay. Question two. ESPN spent two weeks trying to get Yasiel Puig on the All-Star team. The fans turned him down. Bruce Brochi turned him down. Were they all right? They were right. And if, if Puig had a, a good advisor, had he been named to the All-Star team, he would have turned it down. He would have said, out of respect to my, my, my fellow major leaguers, I, I'm not going to play. I haven't been up here long enough. He would have endeared himself to every fan and every player in baseball. Okay, question number three. Who's the best team in baseball right now? Texas. Texas? Yeah. Well, you came out of the blue with that one. Yep, I, I think at the end of the year they're going to have the best record. Okay. I'm, I'm going with, and you're not going to believe this, the Boston Red Sox right now. Okay. Trivia question. I gave you this trivia question earlier today. We're going to add one more before we sign off here, Mark. Okay. Jim Leland and Bruce Bochy are managing their second All-Star game. Name the current managers who have managed three All-Star games. Uh, let me see. The manager of the Angels. Uh, what's his name? Um, Mike Sosha? Mike Sosha. Eh, wrong. Jim Leland. Eh. Well, that, I've already said that one. Oh, oh he was... Oh, okay, I'm sorry. He was part of your... Uh, oh, yeah. how, about, how about Girardi? Nope. Well, I quit. <laughs> All right. Charlie Manuel, Ron Washington, and Terry Francona. Wow. I never guessed those. I, hard, hard to believe. Mark, what do the Reds have coming up when the All-Star break is over this weekend? Well, they have the Baton Death March. Uh, they got three with Pittsburgh at home, and then they hit the road uh, for uh, nine games, well, now ten games on the road. And those, I think those 10 games and the, the, the series with the Pirates 
when they play the Dodgers, they play the Giants, and they play the Padres on that road trip. Uh, that is going to determine where they are relative to the trade deadline and if they're buyers or sellers. This team could this team could be ten games out of first place uh, in two weeks. Yeah, it, that's really a killer schedule. I was looking at it earlier today. The Indians schedule, they're at Minnesota this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they open up next week at Seattle. They go out west just for Seattle. That's kind of odd, but they just go to Seattle for that trip, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday afternoon. Mark, the All-Star game happens tomorrow night. You going to take the American or National League? I'm going to take the National League. I think they're uh, top to bottom. Uh, I think they're stronger, and uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, I can't say I'm terribly excited about the game, and I think an all, a exhibition like this to determine home field for the World Series is dumb, uh, but uh, I'm not Bud Selig. Amen. I, I agree with you totally. And I'm going to go with the American League. Justin Masterson will be the winning pitcher, and Jason Kipnis will get most valuable player. No, no, no. Chapman will get a save. <laughs> there you go. Mark, we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one, Dave. Don't forget to join us on Thursday night with the Ultimate Sports Talk Show, where my guest is going to be Matt Lardner, who says the Ohio State Buckeyes this year are going to unseat the SEC as champions of college football. And don't forget to join us again next week as Mark and I talk again with you at 9 o'clock on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Our thanks for all the questions this week on our Ask Us segment, and our thanks most of all to you for listening. I'm Dave Mitchell for Mark Donahue. Until next Monday night at 9 o'clock, good night, everybody.